Are you ready to build a business with consistent income and have time left to spend with your family? In Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the strategies to create exactly what you want in your business and in your life. Now, here's your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we are talking about human performance. So how do you create more results without doing more? I don't know about you, but my list of doing my tasks, they are ever growing. I mean, I have three boys at home. I have a husband. We run all kinds of businesses. I've got a lot of stuff to do, and especially like we're in the new year. So I spent a lot of last week you know, having fun with my boys and really having that family time, but I've also spent it doing like cleaning. Uh, and I don't mean cleaning like, like Clorox wipes cleaning. I mean like getting rid of stuff. This is the time of year where we get to shed the stuff that, that no longer works for us. And so we can bring in things that are working. And so for me, that meant some of the stuff like the basement, we all have these rooms. Okay. Maybe it's a closet for you. Maybe it's your garage, which is also a space for me, but my storage room, and I was committed when I put my Christmas decorations away that I wasn't just going to put them in the boxes and then overlook all the other stuff that I never used. I was actually going to bring that stuff up, get rid of it, and then have this clean space. So that's what I've been working on. I say for the last week, but really like for the last you know, four months. And, and it's this ongoing process. We have a building that we own, one of our businesses that we shut down uh, in July, it this it's like an amoeba of stuff. Like every time I pull something out and put it into a dumpster, more stuff appears. I don't understand how it works, but it does. And so we have rented seven dumpsters, guys, seven giant dumpsters. They're not these little ones. These are like, like city, like street wide dumpsters are huge. And we've rented seven of these and we have, we have shoved stuff into them and yet the stuff keeps coming. So between my house and the businesses, I got a lot of stuff, physical stuff, but I've also got a lot of doing. And so how do we actually create results that don't have anything to do with doing, that don't require us to do more? And it comes down to this question of human performance. And that's a big word for really saying that we're playing to our strengths, we're playing to our strengths. So I've been watching The Queen's Gambit. So maybe you've seen that, it's on Netflix, it's a great show. I read about it uh, that the producer took him 30 years to get this show on air. And what I love about this show is that it's one, it's, it's really, it's quite funny. My uh, middle son loves chess and I can play chess, but I'm not a great chess player and I can keep up with him, but he's also 10. So uh, now when I watch this movie and I see these brilliant chess players, like eight and 10, I think, my gosh, I, this is a child prodigy, these, these kids. And so I, I'm embracing chess in my, my middle son. And uh, I'm watching the, the main character. She's playing chess. And she's at, the, I think it was the, one of the opens. She goes there with her mom and she's studying. She's got these books open and she's studying the night before. And her mom says, just go out and enjoy the town. They were in Mexico City. And she says, you've been in this hotel room studying for the last, the entire time that we've been here. You haven't actually experienced life. And Yet the character, the main character, she was really into the doing of the chess. I've got to read this books on openings. And she kept wanting to study and do. And her mom says, you know, I know I don't know a lot about chess, but I've heard and I see you're an intuitive player. And the, the main character, she says, yes. And the mom says, what I notice is the, the, the moves that get the loudest cheers 
are the ones that you do the fastest. And the main character, she says, yes. She says, okay. Then if that's true, then is it possible that the answer to your game, to your strategy, isn't in those books? And as a result, the main character, she goes out and experiences the town and has fun. And so the, what I took from that was that the mom was saying, look, like, I get you could sit here and you can study and you can study and you can study. And at some point, it's not going to support you. You get to actually just create and enjoy and having fun. That can actually create results too. So study, yes, do that, but also don't forget the joy. And so a lot of us, we suck the joy out of life or whatever, whatever we're doing, whether it's, let's just say work, we suck the joy out of it. And when we suck the joy out of it, the results go down. And then we wonder why. And then we attach more tasks, more doing. And then we think that's going to improve the results. But the reality is at that point, what's actually going to improve the results is adding the joy back in. Because when you add the joy back into life, then your results go up. But yet, why don't we do that? Like, why, why did we become human doings and not human beings? We really shifted in that space. We became human doings instead of human beings. There's this concept that we do have, and it's one that I learned many years ago. And it is really about how humans show up with human doings. So we do a lot. Let me give you an example. We, we work. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We work a lot so that we can have these really fancy houses. And then we have these really fancy houses, but we're only in them, maybe a little bit more now with COVID and lockdown, but we live in a certain part of them. We don't really get to experience them. And then we get mad because guess what? They get dirty. And then we have to clean them or we hire somebody to clean them, which takes money. So then we perpetuate this. I've got to buy them. And then what do we put in the garage of the house? But cars. And we don't just buy like, okay, cars. We buy like really nice cars that cost a lot of what? Money. And then we perpetuate that cycle by working more. And so then we get to a point where we have golden handcuffs. You ever heard of those? Golden handcuffs. And that is, by definition, a golden handcuff is where I have created a cycle where in order to live the way that I want to live, I have to make a certain amount of money, therefore saying I can't leave my job because I would have to change my lifestyle. I can't leave my job because I have to change my lifestyle. And I'm not willing to change my lifestyle. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, even though I don't like it, so that I can maintain some of the things that I do like. And what we find is when all that stuff gets stripped away, and I don't mean it has to be taken from you, but when you really look at what is it that really brings you joy? Is it the large house that you're tired of cleaning that you don't really use all of it? Or maybe it's not used in a way that's productive for you or your family or the yard outside that you don't want to mow or that you hire somebody to mow because you're annoyed by it. So these are the questions where we say these are the things that we've created. And it's the same thing with stuff and the process that I've just gone through, where at one point, all that stuff that came into my house meant something to me, or there, there was a reason that it came in. It came in through a kid. It came in through my husband. It came in through me. Somehow it got into our house and it's made its way here. And now we're in the process of saying, well, what is it that's really important? And with stuff, we'll go through and do it. But with our lives, with our mind, when do we go through that process where we say, Hmm. stop, evaluate, and move forward. Stop, 
evaluate, move forward, stop, evaluate, move forward. That's not a process that we're naturally in. But when we create that process where we stop, evaluate, move forward, that's when the magic happens. Because what we're doing is eliminating the things that aren't serving us anymore. Eliminating the things that aren't serving us. And it's the exact same thing as going through a process or a pile of papers as it is about going through every other process, every other space in your life, every action that we create. So we've got a lot of doing. I had an exercise that I worked through many years ago. <laughs> and I'll tell you, this was, I was running, uh, oh, it was probably five, six years into my first business. And I was, because I, I'm a former CPA, I could handle the bookkeeping. And by handle, I mean, I could do it. I was proficient about it. To the point where when my youngest son was born and he was in the NICU, it was crazy. I've talked about it on the show. I wrote about it in the book. I, it was an incredible time. I remember sitting in a chair in his hospital room. So he's in the crib. I'm in the chair. I have my laptop out and I'm processing payroll. I'm processing payroll from the company. There, and the, the thing was, like, there was actually, I could have taught somebody how to process payroll, but I hadn't walked through that process. It wasn't something that was critical up until that point for someone else to know. And Mike, I had a coach at the time and he says to me, you are the most expensive bookkeeper I've ever met. I'm not a bookkeeper. Are you kidding me? I, that's not who I am. And then he goes, what do you mean? What do you mean you're not a bookkeeper? I said, I'm, I'm running this company. I'm not a bookkeeper. And he gave me a piece of paper, sets it in front of me. And he says, for the next week, I want you to write down every single thing that you do. And this was in regards to work not in regards to life. We already know it was parents were the most underpaid. Their salary is zero and it's okay. We get paid in other ways, love, gratitude, joy. In work though, I wrote down every single thing that I did, which was you know, agonizing because I did a lot of stuff. And my, my, I was running a business and advertising agency. And so naturally we had lots of clients and lots of different components. So one day I might be uh, editing uh, some copywriting and the next day I might be supporting the designer and, you know, in any moment's notice, things could shift. So to write everything down, like there was a section of just writing down what I was doing, like that was a category. Then that maybe took up four or five hours over this week of just tracking what was going on and the amount of time to email. I mean, it was crazy, you guys, how much time I spent on all these areas. And so at the end of the week, I looked at the paper and I added up all my columns, like basically put things in a bucket saying like admin time or uh, executive time and then bookkeeping time. And I looked at it and I said, holy crap, I'm the most expensive bookkeeper I've ever met. And when I took what I was paying myself for the company and I divided it by the hours that I spent on bookkeeping, I realized, oh my gosh, like I'm spending a lot of time on bookkeeping. And when I had that aha moment, I realized that <laughs> bookkeeping is not my area of expertise. By that, I mean, like, I can do it. I'm, I'm proficient at it, but it's not a joy area for me, nor is it a growth area for the company. So we are not a bookkeeping company. We were not in business to keep books or be a CPA firm or an outsourced CFO. Like, that was not our business. So me enhancing that skill was irrelevant. And when I realized that, that I was spending that much time, and when I looked at my hourly rate and I did all those calculations, I said, oh, my gosh, I could save money by hiring someone to handle the bookkeeping. So that was only half of my battle. 
So when I looked at it that way, I thought, okay, cool. So that entered the conversation. And then I got into why I really did the bookkeeping, what it was really about. And it was because I wanted to manage the cash flow. Because I built this business from the ground up. I remembered the moment where there was zero dollars in the bank account. And I looked at where the bank account was at that point and thought, huh, I know quickly to go to zero and I don't want to see that happen. So I watched the cash closely. That's a part of being a business owner, understanding your cash flow. And what was underneath that was that I linked me knowing where the cash flow was to me having my hands in it all the time, which meant I had to handle the bookkeeping. I had to process the payroll. I, I, I. Well, if I'm spending my time doing that, I'm certainly not spending my time growing the business. And what I really required was somebody that could manage that and prepare the reports or an on-demand situation where I could see where the cash flow was so I could make decisions for the company based off that. So a very basic setup with a CFO or a qualified CPA who could show me the cash flow at a given moment. So I found my friend Tammy. Tammy sets it all up for me, handles the bookkeeping, does an awesome job. And all of a sudden now I have access to cash flow to, to be able to see the cash flow at any given point in time. And I realized, wow, it's so nice to be able to see this. Now, it's not that I didn't know that that was possible for a company. I mean, heck, as a CPA, I would look at cash flow for a company at any given time. I knew that was possible. But the limiting belief that I'd had was that I had to be the one that did it in order for the company to grow. And what I got to break through was that it wasn't about my doing. It was about me understanding where the cash flow was. Once I did that, then I could grow. So how do I create more results from doing less? Here in this case, I looked at where I was spending my time and in essence, the company's money. And I said, oh, whoa, this is not the best use of it. So when we go through it, that's a really great example. You can use it in life. You can use it in work. Look at where you're spending your time. Because guys, like, if you really want to know what you value in your company, in your life, if you want to know what you value, there's two, there's two places to look. It's your checkbook and your calendar. Your checkbook and your calendar. You can look at your personal checkbook. You can look at your business checkbook. You can look at your personal calendar. You can look at your business calendar. If you want to know what you value, look at those two things and you'll know that. That's your starting place. Now, anything can change. Anything can change, but you've got to know where you're starting, where your baseline is. And so we have a lot of these moments where we think in order to create more results in my company, I've got to do more. And that's just not true. It's just not true. It's not human performance, creating better results, creating more results, creating results in general is not about doing. It's about being. It's about being. And so when we understand that and when we figure out how to be like what that actually means and how to create from that space, that's when magic happens. So we're going to explore this concept in more depth after this commercial break. You guys are listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson here on Inspired Choices Network. And we are talking about human performance, how to create more results without doing more. So enjoy this quick break. We'll talk to you here in a moment. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. 
Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Risa. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we're talking about human performance, how to create more without doing more. So how to create results without doing more. So the last 15 minutes, we've been talking about this whole concept of doing and how we all have large doing lists and we become human doings. So the more that we do, the more work, the more tasks, the more we'll have. And so when we have more, then we'll be what? Joyful, radiant, magnificent, glorious, abundant, you know, whatever you put in what, whatever, whatever matters to you. And there's some really cool exercises. If you're wondering what really matters to you, send me a note. I can hook you up with those. But the concept of this, we have to do in order to have just so that we can be. It's totally flipped around. So we can become do have bees. But the, the reality is that's not what life is about. That the concept is be, do, have. When I'm being joyful, when I'm being abundant, when I'm being kind, when I'm being generous, then I will do things that align with that. And then I'll have what I want. But the reality is that have gets a lot smaller because guess what? the million dollar house or the, the really fancy car or whatever it is that we desire, most of the time, if we link that back to our being, it, it may still be aligned. It may absolutely be aligned and it may not. Think about how many people made these purchases. Like let's, let's just look at Christmas. We just walked out of the holidays. So whatever, whatever the, the, the holiday was for you, for me, it was Christmas. And think about all the impulse purchases that happened over the Christmas holiday. So we start out, the Christmas season with Black Friday here in the United States. So in other countries, you've got Boxing Day in Canada and some other different types of experiences. Here in the United States, it starts out with Black Friday. Well, with COVID, Black Friday wasn't even really a thing. Okay, Black Friday was like irrelevant. It became Black Monday the week before, and it was like all of October and November, we celebrated these extreme like purchasing binges. And so by the time Black Friday rolled around, we're like, big deal. There's not really great rates. 
And then we roll into the month of December where everybody, all these flashy, buy your Christmas gift here. And the trees, you guys, every year we go to buy a live Christmas tree, a live Christmas tree. We go cut it down. It's really, it's a cool experience that we share with the kids. And so this year we go to buy the live Christmas tree and all day we're going to go buy this live Christmas tree, but we had other stuff that we were doing. And by the time we actually got to the Christmas tree park, whatever it's called, farm, Christmas tree farm, it's 4.30 and, and the farm closes at five. And so we have 30 minutes and I think no problem. So we, we were just going to pick one out of this barn, the shed that they have, they're pre-cut from the farm. They look really nice. We've done this a few years where we're not going to go out and traipse through the snow. So we go to the barn and guess what? The door is closed. They have sold out of their Christmas trees. They cut three times the amount of trees that they normally do and they're sold out. We said, why is this happening? And they said, well, here's the thing. More people are home this year. And so they decided they wanted live Christmas trees as a way to connect into the season. And I thought, cool, okay. So great, more people are connecting in. So we grab a thing, I don't even know these words, haul something you can haul your tree in, like a little trolley and an ax. And we go out and we don't just go to the first set of trees or the second set of trees. We go to the third set of trees. We pick our tree, we haul it back. And in like 20 minutes, we have cut down our tree, purchased it and it's back in the truck and we're driving home. So it was all like really quick because that's how we work. <laughs> we are efficient. But the, the, the piece here was that like the amount of people that chose the tree to create the experience. There were so many more people that chose that this year because they wanted to create an experience. So from a consumerism perspective, like these are, you know, trees range, the trees aren't cheap, but they range anywhere from like 50 to hundred dollars. And so the amount of people that now purchased a tree that didn't have a tree before, or maybe they didn't, uh, they had a fake tree before. So one, we've got that kind of purchase. And then, then you've got a ripple effect on that because now I got to put the tree into some kind of container so that it can take water. So I got to buy that. And so there's all kinds of different things. Do you have ornaments for your tree? Do you have lights for your tree? So the consumerism grows. And then obviously we know about presents. What presents are we going to put under the tree? And do we have stockings? And so all of a sudden we've spent a month or two or three or four, whatever that looks like, on consumerism. And the real, let's ground this into the real reason for the season. Like you think about whatever your, your spirit is, but let, let's go down to Christmas and I'll share my belief is that it's really about not, not it, yes, the birth of Jesus, but it's really about a time of celebration and a time of giving and also a time of receiving, but it doesn't have to be monetary. It could just be a giving of time. It could be a giving of uh, space around you, a giving of love. There are so many different ways to give. And yet we've linked this to consumerism. Another holiday that's coming up here, like Valentine's Day, exact same thing. Like Valentine's Day is not a hallmark holiday, but we've linked it to consumerism. And I see this happen every year is that people get frustrated because the price of roses, what happens to the price of roses around a holiday? Think about, I, I don't know what the index is, what the number is, but they go up dramatically around Valentine's Day. So roses, I could buy them today. If I went to the store and I went and bought roses it, for a dozen roses, it'd maybe be like $20. Long stem roses, maybe a dozen would be like $50. I have no idea. I'm pulling these numbers out of thin air. And 
if I buy them on Valentine's Day, a dozen roses, not long stem, but just a dozen roses, or maybe $20 now, they would be $100 on Valentine's Day. Something like, like some ridiculous growth index because of the holiday. So, so then I see, I see this happen. People get stressed out about getting the right reservation for dinner and getting the calendars and the chocolates and the, the really nice necklace. And those things are all nice. But why is Valentine's Day like here in the U.S.? We celebrate it on February 14th. But guess what? February 15th is also a really special day. And February 28th and March 2nd, because that's my birthday, and March 13th and April 4th and these other days, like they are all wonderful days. But because we've chosen to celebrate Valentine's Day on February 14th, the day of love, the day where I say that I want to be generous to you is going to happen on February 14th. The consequences, we pay a lot more money for that. And so I see people get stressed because they can't afford the idea that they have of what it looks like. But the reality is, and, and I speak to this as a wife in this moment, that, that I, would, I want to receive my husband's love on February 15th just as much as I do on February 14th. So if he chose to come home with a dozen roses on February 15th or March 17th or any other day, it's just as special to me. But we place this value on February 14th like it's got to look a certain way. And then the consequence of that might be a big dent in our checkbook, and especially if we can't afford it, right? So we make these choices based on what we think we have to create, based on what somebody's told us that life has to look like. And the reality is that it just doesn't have to look that way. Okay, so human doings, we prescribe when we're in a human doing space, we prescribe to a mindset where we're saying, but this is how it is. This is just how it is. You've heard the, the theory like, well, uh, it is what it is. Oh, like nails on a chalkboard with those words. It is what it is. It is what it is. Like, I mean, a way to be a soul killer using those words. And I'm laughing because I've used those words before. I probably said them to my kids, and but not now. If those words, if those came out of my mouth, I'd shove them away, or I don't know, I do something because that's not my philosophy of life. It is what it is. Like it is a hundred percent not what it is because we create our realities. We are the ones that decide if February fourteenth is February fourteenth, or just a day in February fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth. We are going to be loving. Doesn't mean we can't be loving on February fourteenth. It just means that I get to choose how I show up each and every day. So when we're talking about human performance and creating more results with less doing, the first step is about getting rid of the prescribed beliefs or, or these, it is what it is. We have to do something because that's what society tells us. So the, right now we're homeschooling our kids. It's something I've been intrigued about for a long time. And with the pandemic, it was a, a great like, okay, well, if we're ever going to do it, let's do it. And so one of the things while I spent my weekend was planning what the next few months of school look like. And I read this article and it said that most high school seniors, so, so graduating seniors, don't actually understand what freedom means. Like at our basis, we don't understand what freedom means. And I'm reading this thinking, holy buckets, and it came from a credible source. Can't remember what the credible source is right in this moment, but I know it was a credible source. And I read this article and I said, oh my gosh, that's not going to be my kids. They get to understand what freedom looks like, what it means for them. And so as I'm reading about this, I, I did some Google searching and I found this, this website, uh, it was tolerance.org. 
and it had a really good distinctions by grade buckets. So K through three, fourth, fifth, and then sixth through 12th. And it showed the distinctions of how to actually teach kids in a way that when they got to, to graduating from high school, they would understand what freedom meant. And so I looked at this and my husband and I said, like, well, how do we create this for our children? And so we decided the month of January, we have Martin Luther King Day, there's a lot of things that happen. We are going to study slavery. And so we are digging right in. Like we are watching. So my, my kids get their eight, 10 and 12. So, so different age points, but we're actually going to watch the, the uh, there's five different movies we've selected. So let me see if I can remember these, the help Harriet, uh, the Butler, Selma, and The Color Purple. But The Color Purple, even that my oldest and I are going to read the book. And there's a lot of topics there that are really deep. And so for him, I'm not reading that book with my eight and 10 year old, but I'm going to read it with him. And then with our 12 or with, um, with the eight and 10 year old, they have other books that they're going to read, but we'll all watch the movies. And then they have movie reviews that are different based on their ages. And uh, we've got different books assigned for them. And the so there's all kinds of really cool things that are bringing up this whole freedom. And so my dad, he's a retired professor. And I asked him last night, he, he runs school on Mondays with the kids while I'm here on the show, he runs a school. And I say that like a school, like it's, <laughs> it's a thing they go to. They go to Professor Papa's school on Mondays. And last night I called up my dad and said, hey dad, we get to introduce freedom tomorrow. So we teed it up at dinner. Uh, I said, could you just, could you teach him a lesson about freedom and then rights versus responsibilities? And he says, oh yeah, yeah. And I'd found a, a lesson plan. And so he had it and we get to his house this morning and he, the kids walk in and this is what he says. He says, we are learning about freedom today. You will sit down at the table. You will do your homework. You will speak when spoken to no other times. You will not interact with your brothers. And I noticed the shift right away. This is not how my dad normally shows up. And this is certainly not how my kids normally show up. And he was teaching them dictatorship. What would happen if you didn't have those freedoms so that they could see what it would look like? So really, yeah, really powerful experience for him in that moment to ground them that they could see the distinction because they know how Papa normally is. And now they know what it looks like when you don't have freedom. So then it gives us an opportunity to have a wonderful conversation about, did you like that? Did you not like that? Because in some countries, this is just how it is, but we are blessed to live in a space where our freedoms are free. So why I'm telling you this is because I get to, like in this case of homeschooling, I get to create the education that my children have. I am the lens that they look at the world through in this point in time, and my husband and my dad. So we are creating the lens that they see the world. We are creating the lens. So I am not looking at how do I create more doing? I'm looking at how do I create the results by giving them experiences that are going to teach them these things. And we can apply the same principle in every area of our lives and our businesses. We are the lenses that people see things through. So how do we structure experiences that do not require us to do? They just require some shifts in who we are and how we're showing up so that we create these results. My kids, I guarantee you that by the time they are graduating from high school, they will know what freedom is. Actually, by the end of January, they're going to have an idea of what freedom is at 8, 10, and 12. So it's totally possible. So anything is totally possible when we think like that. How do you elevate human performance? You shift the lens of how you view things. You shift the lens of how you view things.
All right, guys, we are going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue this conversation on elevating human performance. You are listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. Talk to you here in just a few. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're here on Inspired Choices Network. And we are talking today about elevating human performance. And we've talked about the, the whole concept of how we are, we become human doings, but we're really human beings. And so when we, when we want to elevate human performance, it's that shift back to being a human being. So we, it's not about doing, there is no metal. There is not, it's not like when we die, we are, get some kind of metal pinned on our chest of, wow, congratulations, you were the highest doer. Like that is not the case. And in my book, I talk about my aunt as a hospice nurse. And so I, I asked her, what do people say on their, their deathbeds? And it is not about the doing. And actually they say the opposite of, I wish I hadn't spent my life doing this. I missed out on the relationships. It's always about the relationships, the connections with people that either are there or aren't there. Because there are some people that just, people aren't around them. And so that is, uh, that's also a really, really sad thing. And having just gone through uh, my mom passing, you know, I spent mo uh, all of November talking about that on the show. Uh, one of the things that, that's been on my heart this morning, and I'm, I'm gonna share kind of well, what's been coming up for me I've been working on this through, through Corbell. I've talked about this for the last few weeks, but I've been working on this program for executives. And the first 30 days is about the self, understanding the self and, and who you are, what you believe in. And it really, the crux of it is going back to this space of being. So it's all designed that we go from human doing to human being. So in those first 30 days, we're really understanding what, what is important to us for the human being and creating that shift. And, uh, what one of my friends said to me this morning was she read this book called 30 Days to Live. And it's no different than like Tuesdays with Maury or some of these other books that are about um, the impending death. I read this book, actually, when I was my first job out of college, I worked at KPMG, so CPA. And it was one of the top five, well, four at the time, public accounting firms. And uh, Eugene O'Kelly was the CEO. So I remember going to my first training and I'm sitting in this, around this round table, lots of people around me. I knew a few people from the office uh, in Des Moines where I lived and we'd flown into Orlando. 
And I'm sitting at this table like, okay, this is my first big girl job. I got my big girl clothes on and I was all excited. And in walks this guy on the stage and the lights are flashing. And he's not this overly big guy. He was pretty like, petite. And he walks onto the stage and he goes up to the, to the microphone and he starts talking and automatically like, I have this connection with him. And I didn't know what it was other than he's the CEO of this company. And wow, this is really exciting. And uh, I listened to a story. He, and he really just talked about the company. He didn't open up about who he was or what uh, anything really about him. And then about a year later, this book appears. Uh, every employee got a book. And it was written by him. And uh, he had passed away. Uh, he lived about eight more months, some of that. And he was writing a book during that time. And his wife finished the book when he died. And so I read this book and I, I read it maybe in a couple hours. It's a really cool book. And it talks about how he looked at his impending death. So he was actually, uh, he had cancer and he knew he was dying and he was gifted this, this time. And he got to create what that looked like. I just read another book, uh, Oh, now I'm not going to think of the name of it, but, but very similar context. There's lots of, of context around these. If you knew you were dying, what would you create? And uh, what I find fascinating is that they, they all pretty much have the same message that you get to connect with um, those that you love. You get to clear up relationships. You get to really be in a space of owning the results that you've created in your life and in your business and in everywhere. And be concrete about what you want to create going forward because there's always so much time. And as my mom passed away, I, I really saw her go through that process, but very quickly because for her, it was a, a much shorter process. She had five weeks between first symptom and death. That was it. And those first kind of week and a half were really like preparing. I, I remember uh, sitting out on her patio and she was present, but she, was, she had uh, jaundice and so she was very itchy. And she would be there. One time I was sitting there with my, my oldest, my dad, my mom, and, and me. And she was itching and her eyes were, were somewhere else. She just wasn't in the, this moment with us. She was somewhere else. And then I don't know where we're in a conversation. She says, I got to go inside. And it was, it was like, okay. And she was gathering her affairs. When we, I'm not sure I share this at all. So all this stuff is, is coming up for me and I'm just going to share it because I'm committed to being vulnerable on this show. Uh, when the night before my mom went to the hospital, uh, we, we, it was COVID. So we all had our masks on and I really wanted to connect with her. So we packed the boys up into the car and I called her and I said, we're coming over. Are you okay if we give you a hug? And she was going in for this surgery. So she didn't want to risk COVID. And so she said, no, I'll, your dad and I will come out to the driveway and then we'll see you. So we pull up in our car. She and my dad are standing in the driveway and we roll down the windows and we wave to her. And we talked for a second and then she had to go inside because again, she's itchy and the, the hot air really bothered her. So she walks inside and I pull out of the driveway or my husband who's driving, he pulls out of the driveway and I said, that's the last time she's going to live in this house. He says, what do you mean? I said, she's not, she's not going to live here anymore. Like this is it. He goes, she's dying. I said, no, no, no. She's not dying. She's not dying. I said, I just, I don't know how I know this, but I know this to be true. And uh, obviously you guys know the story. She died, but 
she went into the hospital the next day and she had her surgery. And so she didn't ever, uh, she did come home for, for hospice for a few days, but it wasn't the same. And so she never really did live in the house again. And, and so it was a really powerful moment for me to connect with my intuition and, and just knowing what I know. And not because I know it for certain reasons, there's no facts or evidence around it. It's just that I know and trusting what I know is true, even though the evidence doesn't necessarily support it yet. So that is the, the intuition space. Uh, but the, the point that I'm telling you is she got to quickly wrap up her affairs. There were points in the hospital where she couldn't communicate. And so how do you wrap up your affairs when you can't communicate? How, how do you do that? And so what I've been working on with Corbilt is this, this process of working with people, uh, in, in particular executives, but like people, because that's really, we're all people. And understanding if you had 30 days left to live, like, how would you guide your life? Like, what would be different? When we look at this shift from human doing to human being, it really is about getting rid of the stuff that's not serving you anymore. For some people, that might mean I'm no longer at my company. That's what it meant for me when I was running measured intentions for, for our nearly 10 years. But yet my body, like, uh, my body wasn't holding up to it anymore. I knew that it wasn't the space for me anymore, but I wasn't listening to those signs. And then my body started giving me signs that I just couldn't ignore. My blood pressure was so high. Uh, I had ringing in my ears. There were all these signs that I just could not ignore anymore. I physically was throwing up. And I, ha I said, enough is enough. If I stay here, I will die. Do I know that's to be true? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But the reality is something had to change. And unless I was willing to get rid of the things that were no longer serving me, I couldn't move forward. There's no amount of doing that I could put back into that space to make it okay. It wasn't about the doing. It was that I had sucked the joy out and I got to put the joy back in. So elevating human performance has nothing to do with the doing. If you take nothing else away from this episode, take this, receive this that human performance is not about the doing. It has nothing to do with the doing. Yes, we get to do, but it's about who you're being, what you're come from is. And when you come from this space of just total like joy and abundance, I believe in joy and ease and that it's possible. When you come from that space, that is your power. That is where you start to see these massive shifts in your life, in your business, when things just start to work. That's when money flows. That is how we create these magnificent results that we create. It's because we're in flow. And so that's the piece that I think a lot of us miss. Like, let me ask you this question. If you knew that half your employees were not happy, like they were, they were actually bringing down your business because they were clocking in and maybe at a 20% productivity, would you be willing to shake up your company so that you could figure out which 50% those were and let them go, would you be willing to pay the short-term consequences for that so that on the other side of it, you had a team of people that were 100% productive, that were totally on board and aligned with where you were headed? Would you be willing to do that? Like most people would say like, oh, sure, until we say what the consequences are. And the consequences of that is that half your staff's gonna leave. And most of them are probably going to be pissed about it in the process. And they're probably, you're going to have a time period where there's going to be more work than people. So the people that are left there are going to have some stress because they got to pick that up. And then 
you're going to have to find more people that are aligned. And you're going to go through that process again of shifting through. This is who we are. And are you aligned to it? And at the end of that, once you've walked through all of it, then you have a company that's totally aligned. And are you willing to go through all of those processes to get to the end result? And if you are, like, come play with me because that's what this is about. This is about the come, like what we're calling forward when we're talking about human performance, it's being in total alignment. So your business and who you are get to be in alignment. For me, when I walked through this with my company, I decided that business is no longer in alignment with who I am. I get to let that go and I get to create whatever it is or go join a company. For me, it was creating, but maybe for you, it's for joining something else or maybe it's shifting the company that you have. But most people have those golden handcuffs on and say, nope, I can't. We have limiting beliefs that stop us from actually moving forward. And those beliefs are what are holding us back. Our human doings are holding us back from being human beings. And yet human being is where the joy is. Human being is where the ease is. Human beings are really where life is meant to live. So are we willing to shift from a human doing to a human being? And if your answer is yes, if you're willing to do that, then come play because that is a life worth living. That is what we're here to create. But we get to have that shift from human doing to human being. And most people will not. You get to choose and say, life is worth living. Like we get to be on fire. Every day I wanna wake up on fire. Every day I wanna inspire others. Every day, like this is what's fun for me. And so the process of this is about understanding what really lights you up which is just like cleaning your storage closet. It's getting rid of the stuff that no longer serves you because as humans, we get into the process of human doing and we shift. Now we get to shift into human beings. All right, guys, we are going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're gonna pull all of this together, everything we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes on how we can elevate human performance, not by doing more, but by shifting from human doings to human beings. All right, guys, you are listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reese on Inspired Choices Network. I will see you just after this break. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reese, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson. And for the last 45 minutes, we've been talking about elevating human performance. As humans, we get stuck in this cycle of doing. 
we work 40, 50, 60, 70, even 80 hours a week so we can have the fancy house, but then we get frustrated because the house gets dirty and it requires more time, but we don't have time to clean the house because we're busy working. And then we get mad because our cars need washed or filled with gasoline, but we don't have time to do that. And then we have holidays that come up that require a lot of money because we say that they do. So we buy all these presents and then we've got bills to pay, which means we got to go to work and then work becomes a drag and we're frustrated. And then we have these wonderful kids, but we're frustrated because we're so tired that we don't actually have time to play with them. And then, oh my gosh, they're crazy and they're loud and all these things. So now we're frustrated and we're yelling at our kids. And then our kids hear adults that are yelling at them. So then they start yelling and it's just this perpetual cycle. And so when we say enough, I'm not going to play that game anymore. That is when we switch from the human doing to the human being. And that is when we start to create our life by design instead of the other way around. It works the same way in business. Oh my gosh, does it work the same way in business? When I first start my business, I say, this is the kind of work that I'm going to call forward. But then somebody waves a couple dollars at me and I say, ooh, money. So I go that way and I get really excited. But nope, this is really where I want to be. But wow, that's pretty lucrative. And then somebody else waves money at me and I say, well, it's not exactly what I wanted, but it's okay. And I get further away from what I really want. And that continues to happen. And I get further and further and further away until I don't even remember why it was that I started. Don't even remember it. My employees say, gosh, I don't even understand what this company was about. And I know that you said you had a great idea when you started, but that is not the company that we are. And I'm tired of working here and I'm stressed, but I make good money. So I'll stay, which is like one of the worst things that could happen. I would rather have them leave. Thank you, Jen. She said, you just described 90% of the population. Hallelujah. Yes. We get our golden handcuffs on. Remember golden handcuffs are saying, I know it's not what I want, but I get paid. So I don't want to change my lifestyle. I'm not willing to change my lifestyle. So I'll just put up with it so that I can have what I want. We realize the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So we'll just stay right here. And instead of creating exactly what we want in life, we create what somebody else tells us that we can have. We become victims to our own world. And so now we aren't living. We are waiting to die. We are waiting to die. And that you guys, it's the thing that is like nails on a chalkboard for me. It is so hard to see that. I live in a town where we have big businesses and they, you know, 10,000 people work there and I watch them walk into the offices every single day. And they, they, it's like, it's like a zombie watching them drive. Like they're driving to work. They drop their kids off at school. They drive into the building. And I, I love I love that these places of employment are there. They, they, from an economy perspective, it is wonderful. So don't hear me in any other way other than saying we get to be lit up about what we're doing. So think about as an employer, the amount of people, the productivity that's happening in your offices is not what we think it is. It's not what we want. Elevating human performance, we absolutely want it there. But it is not about reassigning tasks. It is not about asking them to do more. Oh, your productivity is only 20%. I bet we could get it to 100% if I hand you more tasks. It's not about that. It's that we have sucked the joy out of life. We have sucked the joy out of work and we get to put it back in because when we figure out how to do that, when we are lit up ourselves, when we are lit up, then everyone else around us gets to be lit up. Last week, I talked on the show about the concept of self, team, company, world, outer space, 
self team company and world. And it's the exact same thing with here. What we're talking about elevating human performance starts with me, starts with you. It starts with us. First, we get to figure out what lights us up. How do we play at our best? How do we shift from human being, doings to human beings? Just like cleaning your basement, just like cleaning your garage, just like getting rid of the stuff that's no longer serving you. It's the same thing here. We all get into these patterns of things that aren't serving us anymore. And when we call them forward, when we understand what it is that's not serving us, we get rid of it. So we stop, we examine, and we move forward. We realize what it is that's really working and we lean into that. And that is when we are at our highest performance. We put our joy back into our lives. We put our joy back into work. Do you believe that if I showed up as a CEO that is joyful, that there would be connection issues in my company? That would spur all the way through the company, 100%, 100%. Because that is what we source. So if I'm joyful, if I'm connected, then what's going to happen with the company? The company becomes connected too. So we create these mechanisms in place where we can set ourselves up for success, where we can increase the human performance. It's we, we used to think it was about doing. We used to think it was about realigning people. And maybe there is some of that in there, but, it, but in large part, the reason that the human performance has gone from 100% to 80% to 60% to 40% to 20%, the reason that we're playing there is because we've forgotten who we are. Or maybe we never knew. But think about the company that I just described where we start here, then somebody flashes money. So we go here and here and here and here. It's no different. When you get out of college, what job do you take? The one that pays you. The one that pays you. Is it the ideal job? Well, no, you'll do that later on in life. But the one that pays you is the one you take. And you hope, you hope that it somewhat aligns with what you want, but you say to yourself, I'll get closer and closer and closer to that as I get older. But then what happens as you get older, well, you had a nice paycheck and well, I'd really like this job, but this one pays me more. And so that continues. And then as employers, we wonder, why our performance is the way it is. Because look at how, the, like how we choose our jobs and look at how we're choosing to live with our golden handcuffs. Yes, we chase money. We lose sight of the future. We lose sight of the dream. And so instead of chasing our vision, we chase what's right in front of us. So the present is a gift. That's why it's called the present. The future, if we focus too much on the future, we get into anxiety. If we focus too much on the past, we're in depression. So we get to be in the present. And in the present, in order to be in the present, we get to be aligned with who we are. Those are a lot of words and a lot of words to say. Today is a day that we get to figure out what it is that's important to us. That is how we elevate human performance. We light ourselves up. We light those around us up. You guys, I've had so much fun talking with you today. If this topic intrigues you, you want to know more about it, you're interested in like the 30 days of how I actually create what I, was, what I want and switching from a human being or human doing to human being, let me know. All right, guys, I will talk to you very soon. This is Kathleen on Thank Drop you for listening to Profit Lock with Reason. Kathleen Reason. Talk to you soon. Kathleen Reason Bye. will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Would you like to be on the show or do you have a show idea? Go to KathleenReason.com forward slash radio. Have a great week.